Hello everyone, my name is Emmanuel Dotezac from IQEQ and I'm delighted to welcome you today to our webinar where we will discuss the latest trends in fund financing. A lot has happened in the past years from subline to nav financing. I am joined today by five panelists who represent the borrowers, the lenders, advisory and investors' perspective. Well, I'm going to hand over to the panelists right now who are going to introduce themselves. Thank you so much for joining us today. Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, hi, thank you very much, Emmanuel. So I'm Sarah Lobardi. I'm the founder of RRD Partners. We are a debt advisor specialized in the fund finance space. We help fund managers globally across a wide range of asset classes like private equity, debt funds, secondaries, real estate and infrastructure funds to put in place their financing needs at the fund level. Thank you, Sarah. Gregory? Thank you, Emmanuel. I'm uh, Gregory Beauchamp, heading the uh, fund structuring group with TKO Capital. With uh, circa 31 billion euro of AUM, we are alternative asset management and investment specialists. We're focusing on four key asset classes, orphans, allow investors to achieve attractive long-term returns in private debt, real assets, private equity and capital market strategies. I work in conjunction with uh, internal stakeholders and our portfolio managers, obviously, too. And we design uh, bespoke solutions for prospective LPs. We optimize fund structures and we negotiate fund financing. Thank you so much, Gregory. Camille? Hello everyone, uh, Camille Defay, CFO of Latour Capital. We are a French private equity fund based in Paris and now we have 1.6 billion euros under management. And uh, yes, we use a fund financing solution. Happy to discuss that today. Thank you so much, Camille. David? I'm really delighted and uh, pleased to be part uh, of this panel and have an opportunity to exchange uh, with my peers uh, in the industry. I'm David Chekouri. I'm the president of Standard Capital in France. Uh, our group, uh, the Standard Capital Group, uh, supervises circa $27 billion in the world. We have three activities. One is private equity. Second one is wealth management uh, and also merchant banking. Uh, regarding private equity, we've been an investor as early as 2004. We have established a platform of 10 funds. We are active in uh, fund of funds in private equity in direct funds. Uh, and our platform is expanding. Our clients are uh, large families, ultra high net worth individuals, as well as institutional investors. We operate from London, Geneva, Paris, New York, uh, Miami and Philadelphia. Therefore, through our platform, I would be very delighted to exchange views uh, about the exciting developments of uh, fund financing, both as an LP and as a GP. Thank you so much, David. Augustin? Good morning, everyone. Very happy to be with you as well. My name is Augustin Duhamel. I'm a managing partner at 17 Capital. 17 Capital is a dedicated specialist provider of NAV financing. Uh, we've been doing it since 2008. Today, we have uh, 8 billion under management and we uh, operate uh, from uh, London and New York with a team of 60 people. Uh, to date, uh, we have completed 70 NAV financing transactions, uh, 
either uh, with a view to accelerating liquidity or providing more investment capacity. And we have transacted, provided financing to uh, investors, limited partners in funds. We have uh, worked with uh, GPs, managers of the funds, and we have also provided financing to uh, the funds themselves, which will be uh, the focus of the discussion today. Thank you so much, Augustin. Let me kick off with Sarah uh, asking the first question. Would you like to explain us the different options in fund financing? Sure. Um, so there are around six different types of financing that we see in the fund finance space, but I will focus on the two fund financing which represent over 90% of the volume of the transaction. Uh, and which I think will make more sense for the conversation. So first of all, we have what we call capital call facilities, also called subscription line facilities or equity bridging, uh, just depending on the region uh, we are talking about. And these facilities are secured uh, and collateralized by undrawn commitments of the funds. They are used usually to be able to bridge capital calls um, and allow invest, allow fund managers to call on capital through the facility instead of having to call the investors every time they make a new investment. Uh, these facilities are widely used in the market. We, we believe that over 95% of fund managers are using this type of financing today. Um, they are very cheap financing in the market and they allow the fund managers to have quick and easy access to capital within usually one to two business days, which make them very reactive in the market in terms of making new investments and therefore more competitive with that kind of reactivity. It also allow them, allow them to have an operational efficiency uh, without having to go and call the investors and wait for two, three weeks, but being able to kind of quickly access that capital. It also allow them to obviously improve their returns um, by having a use you know, of a cheap cost of capital. Uh, and finally, uh, it's very useful to have a capital call facilities where you are fundraising, which allow fund managers to be able to consolidate the calls and not have to do any equalization between fund closing. So they can draw on the facility and kind of make one call at the end at the last close. So that's the capital call facilities uh, and how they're used in the market. Uh, the second type of financing we see that is very used in the market is asset-backed financing, which is also called NAF financing. Um, and this type of financing are used quite differently depending on the asset classes. So, for example, for debt fund managers, they are used as a pure leverage tool. So fund managers on the debt space will raise a leverage sleeve and an unlevered sleeve and will put enough financing on the leverage sleeve. This NAV financing will be collateralized by the assets in the portfolio, the future assets in the portfolio. And the purpose of this facility is really to increase their investment capacity from day one. So they will be able to draw on the financing to make new investments at a very cheap cost of capital, improve their returns, um, and be able to use that line from day one. So that's for debt fund managers. On the secondary space, which is another asset class where we see a lot of NAF financing being put in place. Again, same collateral will be the assets in the portfolio, and they are usually used to do dividend recaps after the investment period. But what has been interesting is that we have seen that in the secondary space, more and more fund managers are using this financing like debt funds from the inception, 
while they are still deploying capital to really increase the investment capacity at a cheap cost of capital. And finally, uh, I will cover this maybe a little bit less in detail as Augustin will uh, be covering this subject. It's NAF financing for private equity funds. Um, and these ones have been, I would say, representing maybe less of a volume of the deals we have seen in the market over the last few years. But they are they have been around for a long time and they are definitely picking up more and more with the sophistication of the market and uh, the requirement of liquidity from certain managers. And for private equity funds, um, they are used as a liquidity tool. They can be used either to do some strategic follow-ons at the portfolio level, uh, or just we saw some clients during COVID taking the opportunity in the market to make new investment when it was allowed by the investors. So they put um, not financing in place at the portfolio level to make new investment and take advantage you know, of the market while uh, there were some interesting opportunities. Um, so that's kind of the different cases where we, we see them being put in place. And they are always, I would say, put in place for private equity fund managers while they are at a more mature stage, fully deployed in terms of capital um, and only looking at the assets. Thank you so much, Sarah, for explaining the mechanics of fund financing. Uh, Gregory and Camille, from a, a borrower's perspective, can you explain what are the benefits and hurdles of using fund financing? Gregory, from, from the credit side. Yeah, on, on the credit side, I mean, as a general partner, we, we definitely value operational efficiency. I think, uh, as Sarah mentioned, the, the, the subscription line bring a lot to, uh, to the mix here. Uh, for a private debt fund, uh, drawing on an equity bridge facility uh, allows for a smoother loan settlement process, obviously, and rather than wait 10, 12 business days uh, for completion of the capital calls. Um, these bridge loans are short terms up to 364 days, which is plenty enough for uh, to allow for the fund deployment. And uh, uh, we mentioned it, uh, the, the equalization of investors who join at the end of the subscription period of the fund is definitely facilitated by, by an equity bridge line. Um, on the other end, the asset-backed facility, the NAF financing, uh, actually helps reaching out to a different client base. Uh, as a general partner, this is something that we definitely value, obviously. Leverage, when done right, uh, can enhance the, the limited partner IR over the life of the fund, but not only, it also helps uh, boosting the quarterly cash yield of your investment. So it's just very interesting for a, a strategy like private debt, where we, we actually distribute to our LPs on a quarterly basis, the, the cash income that we collect from the underlying debt instrument. And the financing helps boosting this cash yield on, on a regular basis. Um, I think we can say that the two work well together, actually, because the uh, when you're launching a levered strategy or levered sleeve, as as um, as we you know, Sarah mentioned, a subscription line definitely helps because it delays the first LP capital calls at a time when you start deploying your fund and the portfolio diversification is lacking a little bit, and so the leverage is not fully effective yet. Thank you so much, Gregory and Camille uh, from the private equity side. Yes, thank you, Emmanuel. Uh, yes, as Gregory and Sarah said, uh, 
Back in 2015, I think Latour Capital was one of the first French mover to set up a bridge uh, solution. But now we see that everyone is using it. Um, what I can add here is that in the COVID context and after the shutdown phases, we see that private equity landscape is highly competitive. So if you want to win deal and to be more appealing from managers, from sellers, from everyone in a, in a transaction, you need to be flexible. And as Gregory said, with the equity bridge uh, solution, the thing is that you can call the money just with three days. So it means that the final amount you have to call uh, will be three, four days uh, before the closing. So you can offer to the seller, to the manager, some solution to bridge money, to bridge syndication and to offer reinvestment solution to everyone. It's, it's really, really important uh, when you have like three or four weeks to actually make a deal. Um, of course, there are other pluses, and as Sarah said, uh, equity bridge financing is a return poster. You will call the money one year uh, after. So, what I can see is that on average, it's a booster of three, four points on your IRR. Um, and I can also say that there is no risk of non-payment of an investor three, four, one day upfront of the closing, what is really, really helpful for us. Thank you so much, Camille. How are your investors reacting? Um, I think they are very happy because the return booster, booster is for everyone, us, of course, but also for uh, LPs. And um, we can see that this equity bridge solution offer cash flow visibility for everyone because you say, okay, I will call the money in, let's say, 11 months. So they know the amount, they know the date. So it's really nice for everyone. And also it, um, it avoids a call, money call for small amounts like uh, about fees, management fees, things like that. Actually, with the equity bridge, you will concentrate your capital core only for a major amount. And uh, I can tell you that LPs really like this solution also for that. Thank you, Camille. And, and David, as an investors, uh, can you share your views? Sure. I mean, if I put my head uh, as an investor, I think that first of all, it was very well explained by uh, my mate peers, in particular, uh, um, Sarah. I think that uh, the uh, the subscription, using the subscription line facility is indeed uh, very useful for an investor, for an LP. As said, uh, it, uh, grieves, it gives a greater clarity uh, on the timing of cash flows uh, to help investors manage uh, their own cash flows, but also uh, it allows cash to be consolidated or batched to avoid any drawing downs on investors too often. So this is indeed uh, very, uh, very useful. Now, I would like to, to give another uh, perspective uh, from an investor point of view, maybe another, uh, another view as compared to my, to my uh, peers in, uh, here. Uh, we have been asked uh, often by our investors, how is the leverage used uh, by fund managers uh, in their strategy we have committed to? For instance, we have established access vehicles uh, for fund of funds uh, in the uh, using LBO strategies. And it's very interesting to notice that uh, the, the value creation to, to investors has varied across time. For instance, in the 80s, uh, it represented the use of leverage represented about 50% uh, of the value creation, whilst in the last decade, it has dwindled only representing uh, 10%. Therefore, uh, uh, the investor nowadays want to often understand what is 
the operational skills of the fund you commit to, what is in their value creation, their investment talent. And for instance, we have acceptance on funds which have delivered some multiples uh, without leverage of four times. Therefore, one key question to put things into perspective for an investor is what is investment talent? Having said that, we are very excited about the, the, the development, about the topics we're discussing to, today. Indeed, these tools we are, decide, uh, we are discussing today uh, are uh, innovative and bring big pluses uh, which have been shared by my colleagues. So, uh, in other words, uh, an investor has in mind uh, uh, what is the investment talent, but also, and then secondly, to discuss about the, uh, the, the, the leverage capabilities. And indeed, the tools we are discussing today are very useful. Thank you so much, David. And Sarah, in, li in light of what David just explained, when you are supporting a GP or fund which is looking for financing, what considerations should they have? How should a, a GP approach the market? Um, so just to bounce back on, on what David said, which is very interesting. Um, I think a few years ago, there, were, there was a lot of noise uh, in the market coming from investors, you know, kind of trying to understand more the use of leverage by fund managers. Um, and there were a lot of articles in the press, uh, the ILPA uh, did a lot of work around this subject. And, you know, I think it was a little bit kind of like an understanding from investors of how the facilities were used, how it was impacting the, the returns of the funds. Um, and I think it was more of kind of an education and then getting more comfortable uh, with the subject. And what has been interesting, actually, uh, it has been quite a shift since then, because then what happened is like a lot of investors just said to the fund managers, we're comfortable with you using fund financing, but we would like in some cases to see the returns before the use of fund financing and after. So kind of just see the, the effect and, and how much it impacts the, the IRR. And that was fine. And now what we see is actually more investors challenging the fund manager saying, why are you not using fund financing? Uh, we see that other peers of yourselves that we are investing in, you know, on their funds are using fund financing. And why are you not going to the wider market? So more and more we have fund managers coming to us saying, well, we were not planning to hire an advisor because we work with the same bank for maybe five years doing the same type of financing. But we have been challenged by our investors to do a wider research, to be more sophisticated about our financing strategy. So I think that's a very interesting dynamic that we have seen evolving over the, the last few years. Uh, and I think a, a little bit what David said, you know, for some investors, they like to have a more conservative approach uh, and they will only go to certain fund managers which are selling a, a purely unlevered uh, strategy. And But most of them we see are more and more kind of interested on the use of these tools. Um, so, so that's just, I think, an important point. I thought it was interesting to, to bounce back on. In terms of what we advise our, our clients when we work with them, I think it's few few things. The first thing is really to think carefully about their financing strategy. What we noticed is, you know, a few years ago, people were putting capital facilities in place and they will use the same kind of strategy, go with the same type of lenders and replicate a little bit what we, they have been doing in the past. Now the conversations we have with our clients are very different. It's kind of sitting down and thinking about you are raising a fund. What kind of financing can you have? There are multiple different sources of financing. 
And there are different ways to kind of be sophisticated in terms of which facilities you use, when do you use them, and how do you put them in place. So it's we, we challenge quite a lot of our clients about thinking about what's the purpose, what the real size they need, for how long do they need their financing, can we put something else in place after a capital call facility, for example, to kind of, again, like improve that IRR and maybe like allow them to have some liquidity financing. So it's it's really more of a strategic conversation that covers the whole life of the fund than just thinking I'm fundraising, I need a capital call facility. So I think, and we can see that clients are also thinking more like that. Now we have few people who come to us and say, we have been doing this for the last decade. What are people doing? How can we do things better? And what can we do differently? Um, and I think that's kind of part of the sophistication of the market. Another thing that um, we always advise our clients, obviously, pricing and cost is, I mean, obviously an important uh, feature. Notably, as this financing are used to, to also boost uh, the returns. But we don't want our clients to only be focused on this element. And notably, when we come to not financing products, like with debt, secondaries or private equity funds, there is a lot more to it than just the cost. It's how do you build the right borrowing base for debt funds that is going to allow them to maximize the leverage, but while they're having flexibility, being able to get easy access to the leverage for like kind of an improved borrowing base and not just having like few assets included in that borrowing base. How do you get like the flexibility over the next five years from your lender and not just from the inception? So. We're trying to, you know, kind of sometimes have those conversations that flexibility, the right structuring, and, you know, like thinking about that long-term financing is as important as just going for the cheaper provider in the market. Um, and lastly, I think the only last thing I will cover, obviously, is we always advise our clients to think about the relationship with the lenders, being banks or non-banks, and make sure that they choose the right lenders. And again, we have seen a few lenders coming to the market, uh, which are new entrants in the last few years, but they may not be the most experienced for some asset classes or the most flexible. And there again, we want to make sure that the clients, once the facilities are in place, have a good relationship with the lender and can be flexible and that they can kind of evolve that relationship on the long term. Thank you so much, Sarah. Flexibility, right structuring, relationship with the lenders. Is it what you are seeing in the market, uh, Augustin, as a lenders? Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, first of all, uh, I'd like to say that I concur with uh, many things that uh, Sarah is saying. Uh, and uh, we have been doing NAV financing since 2008. So to us, this is not something uh, entirely new, but what we are seeing is clearly an acceleration in the market and a recent acceleration. Uh, to give you a sense, uh, we've been operating for close to 15 years, but uh, we have invest, uh, what we have uh, deployed 40% uh, of our total investment in the last 12 months only. So it's clearly a very strong acceleration. Now, maybe taking a step back and going into a bit more details on uh, uh, what is NAV financing, uh, how it works, when GPs use it, and what are the key reasons uh, why they use it. Uh, contrary to sublines, NAV financing uh, is not uh, uh, using the uncalled capital of limited partners in the funds. It's only relying on the assets 
that are existing in the fund, it's only asset-backed. Uh, and as such, repayment will come from the uh, cash flows of, of the underlying portfolio companies, which means that uh, you need to assess the cash flow profile of the funds and you can only tailor a facility when you can assess those cash flows. When do GPs use those facilities? Typically, when they reach the end of their investment period, they have invested the fund, they have called money from the, their investors, and as such, the uh, subline is fading, uh, which doesn't mean that there are no reasons to continue using financing for the fund. And those reasons are typically twofold. Uh, Sarah alluded to those. It's either to send money back to uh, investors in the funds, and we see that typically for uh, high-performing funds with uh, strong early winners, historically those funds were uh, sometimes selling those assets early to manage uh, the IRR of the fund. Today, they don't have to sell them. They can make a, a fund recap or a subset of the portfolio recap so that those companies still generate uh, early cash flows, but at the same time, the manager can keep them longer to grow them further. Uh, the other reason why GPs would take uh, NAV financing, and again, Sarah mentioned that, and we see that more and more on the market, uh, it's to invest more into, into the portfolio, either into existing portfolio companies with follow-ons that are strategic, adding more value to the portfolio, and uh, uh, what we are seeing more and more as well is to make new investments uh, in cases, for instance, when investment pace is accelerating, the next fund is not necessarily ready yet, and there are opportunities to seize on the market, the GP would take a NAV financing facility at the fund level to make the last one or the last two investments uh, to, uh, uh, in the end, uh, generate more performance for, 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 for the fund. Which is, by the way, what should be the ultimate goal of, uh, of those financing tools. Managers use them to optimize the performance of their fund and to optimize the, uh, the cash flows for their uh, investors. And that's what should be driving uh, all that uh, industry, so to say, the performance of the fund. And maybe to finish, uh, going back to uh, what uh, Sarah, Gregory were saying, uh, you have uh, a number of players who are uh, using NAV facility more and more. Uh, some GPs are asking what the others are doing. Some LPs are asking their GPs why they're not using NAV facilities. And what we see on our end is that the market is accelerating because there is more adoption and that ad adoption is coming from the top. That adoption is coming from the top managers, from the largest managers in the world, and they are really setting the trend for the, for the others. And that's a very important feature in the market. Uh, they, are, uh, uh, they are showing the way to the, to the others. And to conclude, lastly, going back again on uh, some of uh, Sarah's comments, what are those managers looking for when they are looking for a facility? Yes, price is important. Of course, it is important because in the end, that's what uh, drives the performance. But beyond that, uh, flexibility, uh, capacity to adapt to the cash flow profile of the fund and underwriting capacity. Again, the relationship is important. When we, as 17 Capital, underwrite a 500 million facility, it is important for the manager on the other side to know that they have a reliable partner who will be able to deliver on that 500 million.
So maybe I'll pause there because I could keep on going for longer. Hopefully Thank you so much, Augustin. <laughs> Thank you. So we're seeing a definitive acceleration in the market. Gregory Cami, interested to, to, to understand how, how do you see the future of, of the fund financing? Gregory. Yes, that's very interesting. Uh, David uh, mentioned value creation, uh, financing and leverage is, is not an objective in itself. It's an essential tool to having your toolbox uh, allows you to address uh, potentially different clients, deliver an enhanced performance when you have a performing strategy. Um, but I agree with Augustin, flexibility is key. And uh, as a structure looking to the future, I would definitely see benefit in more flexible ways to finance or refinance our LPs. Uh, for example, providing shares of unlevered credit funds as collateral. Um, definitely, this could enhance uh, LP returns at a point in time when funds are, for example, already in their harvesting period. Um, as for the asset-backed financing um, on a more you know, closer short-term future. Uh, I certainly think the uh, the lender market could benefit from enhanced local analyst coverage. Uh, good understanding of local market dynamics uh, facilitate the discussions on uh, on the evolution of the value of your asset base. And Augusta mentioned it. This is your collateral, and you really, really uh, want to understand all parties benefit from stable and efficient leverage. Thank you, Gregory. And Camille? Thank you. Thank you, Augustin. Uh, very interesting. And uh, I really think that um, there are many pluses on the EBF solution. But uh, once it's it's uh, set up, actually, you still have the the unknown on the investment base and uh, the investment phasing on of your fund. And uh, the EBF uh, can be a, a very strong advantage, but the power of the EBF can also not be 100% if, for example, you are doing uh, many investments uh, after three or four or five years of your fund lifetime. But uh, really interesting here to see that NAV lending, for example, is uh, actually uh, specific on an operation. It's for a fund recap or, for example, at the end of the fund lifetime, a build-up financing or an investment financing. So uh, there is no unknown uh, around NAV lending. Uh, having said that, I uh, clearly understand the opportunity of it and uh, I will follow the market on that because I see many, many opportunities. But uh, we still need to be very clear and comfortable on the fact that there is risk, of course, because uh, the collateral is the asset and the asset is already uh, charged with uh, an LBO debt. Uh, first and secondly, on our bylaws, we still have some limits on the financing capabilities. We all know in France with the Loi Pact, we, it was 10%, now it's 30% of the NAV. So, you know, there is a legal context also to, to take into account. But clearly, like Augustin said, I see uh, many opportunities because when you are lacking of money, uh, you don't have unrun commitment in your fund and you still want to do a major build-up or or to seize a major investment opportunity, it could be also as a great solution, clearly. Sarah, how do you see the future of, of financing uh, as, a, as an advisor? Uh, well, I mean, I think to kind of, uh, to, um, sorry, add to what Augustin said, uh, it has been a fantastic year. 
Uh, I think any lenders, any lawyers and ourselves, uh, we had a lot of work, fundraising has been booming. So clearly it is a very positive future we're looking at. Um, I think I, I will just cover three main points that uh, are very interesting. I think the first one is we will keep seeing the sophistication of the market increasing. We'll move to a market where people are trying to optimize their financing strategy being more thoughtful of which kind of financing they use and trying to be creative. Uh, we see more people using, you know, like liquidity lines for open-ended funds, structured financing at the fund level, which is not really a capital call or not financing, but very bespoke and structured to their, their own financing needs. So I think that will kind of keep increasing. And with that sophistication of the market, obviously, I'm expecting that we will see more and more use of NAF financing across these different asset classes we've mentioned. And as an advisor, we see that already. We have a lot of managers which never used NAF financing before who are reaching out to us and saying, we know they are being more used. We can see our peers and maybe like larger fund managers using them. We want to kind of pick up that trend and think of how can we put those kind of financing in place. So I think when before the market was maybe mostly dominated by capital call lines in terms of kind of volume of transactions done. I think we're going to shift more and more towards a market where it's as equally used in the capital call facilities or the NAF financing. Um, and the last thing that is really interesting coming to kind of this increased sophistication uh, and different type of financing used is the type of lenders we see in the market. When I started in this market, it was mostly bank dominated. There were only very few players like 17 Capital, which were non-bank lenders. Today, we see a lot non-bank lenders in this market. We see pension funds, insurance companies, which are providing capital call facilities. They either join syndication club deals or are just providing it in bilateral uh, kind of cases. We also see some fund managers or insurance companies coming to more niche sides of the market, providing, for example, leverage to the GP. Uh, stakes in the fund. Uh, we also saw very recently uh, someone who left a bank and launched the first non-bank lender of capital call facilities, which is backed by institutional money like pension funds. So I think this is really an interesting trend in the sense that we are seeing more and more of these non-bank lenders coming for different type of financing, capital call, um, NAF financing and also people like uh, 17 Capital coming to Pref Equity, but also now providing NAF financing to, to the funds. And I think that is going to be an increasing trend because there is a lot of liquidity in the market. Uh, and a lot of these players want to be able to have high returns. Uh, and, you know, we'll see if, I don't know if it will evolve like the, the leverage finance market where now a lot of the debt funds are providing these lines instead of the banks. But I think that's really the trend that I found really interesting. Thank you, Sarah. And Augustin, as, as a non-bank lender, can you share your, your views on, on, on the evolution of, of the lender's market? Sure. Um, first of all, I, I'll say that uh, a lot of things that uh, Sarah has just said, we, uh, we see exactly the same trends from our perspective as a provider of, uh, of financing. Uh, more flexibility from the, uh, those providers, uh, more sophistication from uh, market players, uh, and in the end, more adoption. Uh, and why more adoption? Maybe bouncing back on what 
David was saying, yes, uh, leverage should be looked at carefully, uh, especially at the portfolio company level, because that's when it's adding more pressure to those companies. But in the end, why are GPs using that uh, uh, those uh, facilities? Uh, basically to improve fund performance and to reduce the spread between growth and net. Uh, and that's really what will be driving more adoption and more volume in the end on the market. From our end, we estimate that the market opportunity for NAV financing uh, is around $100 billion a year. Uh, we are seeing $25 billion uh, dollars, uh, of deal flow on our end. So uh, we're only, uh, on, only seeing a portion of that, but we think it's much larger than that. It will keep on growing. And we really think that uh, we will see uh, a similar trend as what we have seen on the direct lending market over the last, last decade. It has been booming and it's not now an asset class of its own. And we think that uh, NAV lending we will, uh, will also become an asset class of its own. It will be the new direct lending in the next few years. Thank you so much, Augustin, for this concluding uh, uh, thoughts. Um, I would like really to, on behalf of IQEQ, to thank all our panelists today. We learned a lot about the growing importance of fund finance. Please do not hesitate to share any question with us or to continue the dialogue. Thank you so much and looking forward to seeing you soon.